It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, alongside Rob Rang. Hope everyone enjoyed a great weekend. We've got a ton on tap for tonight's episode, including chatting with Andy Patton of the Seahawks Wire and Locked On Mariners. Going to be an excellent guest for today's show. Seattle has a lot of injuries keeping players sidelined, with a few players potentially in jeopardy of missing the start of the season. We'll kick off the show discussing the impact of these injuries. In the second quarter, Andy Patton will jump on board, and Rob and I will get some of his thoughts from today's practice as well as training camp as a whole. We'll tie up loose ends in the third quarter discussing a few of the main positional battles still yet to be decided, including the nickel cornerback spot, which Pete Carroll says is still up for grabs. Fantasy football players, make sure you listen to Vinny Iyer and the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else. Then you are the same. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Locked on fantasy football on your favorite podcast provider. The Seahawks had a few off days following Thursday's preseason victory, but Rob, they're pretty darn banged up moving into this second exhibition game week. I guess the nice thing is that they did get a week and a half between games since they played on Thursday night. Yeah, I'm especially concerned at the tight end position. Um, you know, I think that when you when you look at that, some of the players that we've been so eager to see what they could do um, have unfortunately, due to injuries, have not been able to play. We, we've seen flashes, of course, from Will Disley throughout training camp, but was held out of the the first preseason game. And Jacob Hollister, the the, the intriguing tight end, brought in from from New England in the trade. You know, there, you know. It, and of course, with uh, with Ed Dixon out for four to six weeks with a knee injury, um, so that is the position I'm most concerned about. That's one of the things I, I am very eager to ask Andy about, who, as you said, Corbin has been to so many of the, of the Seahawks train camp practices so far. Yeah, he's going to have a lot of insight on a number of these different positions, including the tight end position. I think it's also worth noting you mentioned Dixon, Disley, Hollister, George Fant. He's got a legit ankle sprain. We know that he can play the tight end position as like that sixth lineman. The Seahawks are shooting for him to be back in week one. We're talking about a key reserve. I know he's not a starter, but he's a key reserve. He's a swing tackle, which the Seahawks always like to have a good player in that position, especially as much as they like to run the football. So they're certainly hoping they can get him back by week one. He was in a walking boot at practice the last few days. So it looks like it's going to be a little bit till he's back. They are shooting for week one, but he's another guy that can play that tight end spot. So as you've mentioned, we just mentioned four guys. Disley looks to be healthy, but they're trying to be cautious getting him back. So all four of those guys, there are some question marks around them at least right now in the preseason under center Geno Smith we had a chance to talk about this Friday he certainly didn't take full advantage of his first opportunity as a Seahawk in the preseason and he was playing injured so that may have impacted his performance a bit had a cyst removed from his knee could potentially be back by Sunday's game though Pete Carroll
Carroll said that's probably asking a bit much. He is already moving around pretty well on it, had a sleeve on his knee. So he's going to be pushing to make it back for Sunday. And I can see why, because right now, uh, any cushion that he may have had for that backup quarterback spot uh, appears to be gone. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, you know, our, our co-host, uh, Nick Lee, mentioned this in our last podcast about how Paxton Lynch just really did a great job of seizing the moment um, you know, against teammates of the Denver Broncos, who, of course, made him first-round selection and then opted to just release him a couple of years later. And, and he was dynamic for the Seahawks. I mean, that, that was a game in which the, the Seahawks lacked any kind of juice, and Paxton Lynch brought it. Um, and so I thought it was interesting when, when you listen to uh, Pete Carroll's comments after practice just in the last couple of days that, that even he noticed uh, or even he noted that, uh, that there was Paxton Lynch's best performance so far. Um, you know, and so I think that that's interesting that, that he is uh, making that comment that, that Paxton Lynch had his best performance in the game. And obviously that matters most, but also that it maybe it was a little bit of a surprise because up to this point it had been, uh, at least from what I had seen and everybody I had talked to, Geno Smith had, had appeared to be the most consistent of the two, the more consistent of the two quarterbacks. Um, and so again, tip of the cap to Paxton Lynch for having the big performance. Let's see if he can do it this time against a much more, uh, physical, frankly, um, and, and deeper Minnesota uh, Vikings defense. The backup quarterback race certainly one that we're going to be monitoring closely. Looking forward to talking with Andy about some of his observations on the practice field as well as what we saw on Thursday night. In the backfield, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny are healthy, good to go. So the Seahawks are in good shape, but as far as depth goes behind them, still a lot of injuries in the backfield. C.J. Procise still dealing with a hip issue. Pete Carroll making it sound like there's maybe a chance that he could be ready to go for next Sunday, but uh, I just, I at this point, just don't have any confidence in him being available. J.D. McKissick, he's coming back from a sore foot. More optimistic about him getting back. Travis Homer, the rookie out of Miami, dealing with a quad issue. All those players that I just mentioned were still out the last two days of practice. The good news, Bo Scarborough, his hand injury doesn't look to be too serious. He came back the last two days in his practice. So he, again, may have another opportunity to seize hold of one of those last roster spots in the backfield on Sunday against the Vikings. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's where I, I think that Bo Scarborough is going to get that opportunity. I also expect to, to see the uh, you know, the, the debut of Chris Carson, of course. And that's that's where I think that you are going to see the Seahawks are, are going to be using their, their first team offense uh, to start this game off. And of course, that's going to, uh, to limit the opportunities for everybody else. So I think we're going to see uh, a, a heavy dose of Rashad Penny, as we saw last week um, against the Broncos. But uh, I think that because you're going to see Carson, because again, you're going to see a lot of Bo Scarborough in the second half, then, then it kind of lessens the uh, the need right now um, for, for a Travis home over a CJ pro size, but it certainly limits their opportunities to put g- good film on there um, because it is going to be a very, uh, very competitive roster position or, or very competitive position for the Seahawks. Yeah, they'll still have Xavier Turner there as well. He played well enough last week that his one-day signing, he's still there, and he's healthy at practice. So certainly he's going to be putting some film out there for other teams as well. The defensive side of the football, it feels like things are a lot better. LJ Collier's making progress. He may be back as early as a week from now from his ankle sprain. Ziggy Anza is really close to 100%. They're not rushing him back at this point. Maybe get him back to practice at the end of the month so he's ready for week one. So that would be huge for the Seahawks 
Seahawks defensive line to get both of those players back. Linebacker Shaquem Griffin dealing with a sore knee. Doesn't sound serious, though. He has missed the last two days of practice. And really good news in the secondary, at least for Lano Hill. He is back from a hip injury, and he's practicing. He was doing team drills today. So that's really big for him because if he would have stayed out longer, there's a lot of really good players back there, and it may have created an insurmountable situation for him trying to stick on this roster. Now he's at least, hopefully, going to get three preseason games to try to maintain a spot on the 53-man roster. Yeah, I, I think that when the, when the Seahawks initially signed Deshaun Shedd, it was a little bit of insurance for Leno Hill coming back. And now that Leno Hill has come back, uh, I, I think that it is that much more critical for Deshaun Shedd that he did have the splashy performance in that preseason game, uh, you know, in, in against the Broncos with the, with the sack and the the, the safety, um, because the, it is as you mentioned, Corbin. It's it's basically a bottleneck, I and mean, there are just too many very talented players in that position for the Seahawks to be able to keep all of them. I feel very confident that at least one of the defensive backs the Seahawks cuts this year is going to wind up signing with a different NFL team. At least one. It might be more than one of those guys, especially. And we'll have to see how this all plays out. But adding Shed to the mix, you got two rookies in Marquise Blair as well as Hugo Amadi that they really like. Amadi can play multiple positions. Blair can play both safety spots. So <laughs> but there's a lot of pressure on Leno Hill and Shalom Luani and some of those other guys on the roster that are probably good enough to play for other teams. So right now, they're trying to fight for a roster spot, but more importantly, they're trying to put some good film out there so that other teams can take uh, interest in them if they don't manage to make the team. That certainly could be something that happens at the safety spot. Following the break, we're excited to bring Andy Patton of the Seahawks Wire and Locked On Mariners onto the show and take advantage of his insight on training camp and the Seahawks' ongoing positional battles. Before we move forward, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go and you could increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed? Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Stick around. We'll be right back to the action here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, 
alternate routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, alongside Rob Rang. We're glad to have you listening in on this fine Monday, and we're pleased to have Andy Patton of the Seahawks Wire and Locked On Mariners joining us on the phone for today's show. Thanks for jumping on with us, Andy. Really looking forward to talking Seahawks today. No problem, Corbin. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Also going to have plenty of chances to talk about his Locked on Mariners podcast, released his second episode today. So those of you that are also Mariners fans, make sure to check that out. We've got some fun discussions on tap with Andy here over the next 20 minutes or so, including a closer look at some pending position battles that remain unsettled with three preseason games left to go. Uh, But first, let's delve into some of the biggest storylines out of training camp. Now, Andy, you've had a chance to be at many of the Seahawks' open camp practices to this point. If you had to name two to three players who've been the biggest stars, regardless of age, experience, time with the team, name recognition, any of those things, who would you roll with? Who have been the biggest standouts, in your opinion? Well, I I know this isn't the most original pick, but uh, DK Metcalf has just looked absolutely incredible so far i mean he i know that for the first part everybody was talking about well he you know he's not facing real competition the defenders aren't hitting him they're not you know they're not playing as as close as they're going to play in the regular season and and that's fair and that's true but he's just he's he's beating everybody off the line his his route running is a lot cleaner than i think a lot of people expected certainly that was the the big knock on him coming out of the draft and uh, his work ethic is is incredible. You know, I know Russell Wilson talked a lot about that today in his press conference, and he's just he's a guy who's got a big chip on his shoulder. Uh, not only from from falling in the draft, but you know his his career at Ole Miss wasn't you know he didn't put up incredible numbers while he was there. He had the big neck injury, and I think he's just stepped up and really shown that he's he's ready to kind of be a guy right away with this team. And I think he's going to have some challenges. You know, he's not going to go out and you know, have a thousand yards next year. I don't think, I mean, maybe, but I, I suspect that he's, he's going to run into a few challenges, but you know, you saw in the, in the preseason game, he was, I think the way that Russ put it today, he was a fingernail away from having two, two elite catches. Uh, he got a tiny bit overthrown by Geno Smith. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's, he's been every bit as good as advertised in my opinion. He's been one of the most fun players to watch in preseason or in sorry in training camp just this entire year and in the last couple of years that I've been going he's he's as fun as any as fun of a guy as you're ever going to see so he's kind of my my top pick there for sure. Well, and, and let me let me kind of spin off of that. I mean, DK Metcalf certainly was the most uh, just physically impressive player that I saw when you know in the couple of days I've been to, at, at camp. Um, but one of the things that you know. One of the things that can help a receiver, of course, is is having some kind of rapport with the quarterback. And, um, you know, it didn't look like he had that rapport with Juno Smith. And, and so, you know, I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that, of course, DK Metcalf is is still a rookie, is still raw in some ways, and is still ha- has been playing as much first team probably as he has second team. And so, therefore, probably has more um, of a rapport with Russell Wilson. And that, of course, is going to be great for the Seahawks moving forward. Um, all of that said... 
you, you've been there. You've been to a lot of these practices. The the feeling I got, and the feeling I've received from some of the other scouts and 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 you know, and, and, and media representatives there, um, is that Geno Smith has been the most consistent of the two backup quarterbacks. And I've been kind of basing my expectation that Geno Smith's going to win this job based on that. But then Paxton went, Lynch went and, and, and threw us all a curveball and played so well. Can can you just give us a little bit of a of an insight? Has Paxton Lynch been? Uh, was that, as Pete Carroll said, that that pack, was that Paxton Lynch's best performance so far uh, during the game itself, or has it been a little bit closer? And Paxton Lynch has maybe not been getting quite as much buzz, but has been playing fairly well during training camp so far. Yeah, Rob, I'm not going to lie to you. Paxton has not looked great in training camp uh, up to this point. Obviously, he looks he looks good in the in the game, and I know that they're you know he. He was playing against Denver's threes and fours and against Denver's threes and fours in a lot of the cases. But uh, he he does not throw well on the run. Yeah. That, that's never been his strong suit. And it's it's pretty startling to watch. Sometimes he gets flushed out of the pocket. I mean, he did it in the, in the game, too. He threw a ball that I think bounced a good two feet in front of Gary Jennings. That was his first throw of the game. First throw, yeah. And he settled in after that and, and looked, like we said, really good. But it, I don't think it's been exceptionally close between Gino and Paxton. Uh, Gino has looked a lot better, and Gino's looked okay. He hasn't looked exceptional or anything. He's just looked adequate, and Paxton has looked less than adequate. Um, but I know I, I wasn't there today at training camp, unfortunately, but I, I heard from some of the other reporters that he looks a lot better today, so maybe it's a confidence thing where now he's kind of back feeling. I mean, he, he also missed a year. You know, he took off a lot of time, so it's possible he was just shaking off some rust. Um I think the battle now is pretty close, but I don't think that it was all that close until until that game happened. And, you know, I mean, neither of them, like, Geno started, I think, what, 31 NFL games compared to Lynch's four. So I think there was a lot of like, well, he's got more experience. He fits the system more. Uh, he's playing a little bit better. So it's kind of just a, a no brainer. He's going to win it. And now, it, you know, it doesn't look, Geno started 31 games in the NFL, but there's a reason he's not a starter now. You know, he hasn't, you know, he's not. He's not an elite quarterback by any means, and I, and I don't think that this position should be handed to him at all. But, you know, Lynch Lynch really hasn't looked all that good either, he, except for the one – you know, he looked he looked good in the scrimmage game as well. He looked okay in the scrimmage game. He looked a lot better in the game. But I, the caveat for me is that for a good chunk of the game, Geno Smith was having Jamarco Jones trying to block Von Miller – Whereas Paxton Lynch had Jamarco Jones blocking uh, somebody who's probably going to be in the XFL next year. So I think there's, you know, that's something that you have to pay attention to as well. And I think, yeah, it, it's a closer battle than it was. But I still am leaning Geno right now. And this is a perfect segue for my next question here because, uh, you know, we were going to delve into quarterbacks in the third quarter. But this is, a, this is a huge topic right now considering how Lynch played on Thursday and now Geno being banged up, having surgery. It's a minor deal, but he could miss Sunday. And now they've got JT Barrett on the roster, a player that certainly was exciting at Ohio State. And you look at the skill set that he brings to the table, a really athletic, dual-threat quarterback that can throw the ball fairly well, a really good runner as well. And now he's on the roster, and he's got a chance to compete. How do you think he fits into this? Do you think he's just going to be a week-long rental and they're going to let him go when Smith is healthy? Or is this actually a legitimate audition opportunity for him in Seattle? Well, first, got to toot my own horn a little bit here because I was kind of proud of this. I wrote an article for the Seahawks Wire that published the day before they signed JT Barrett, and I talked about which quarterbacks I think they could potentially sign to kind of fill in for a week, and I used a picture of JT Barrett for the article. So 
<laughs> well done. I felt pretty good about that. Hey, that was... You can toot your horn on that. You made a good call. So yeah, I mean, it worked out well. I was like, I was thinking about using the picture of Colin Kaepernick, but I thought, eh, they're not actually going to sign him. That might just be a little clickbaity. So I went with JT Barrett. Feel pretty good about that. Um, <laughs> well yeah, done. I think it's tough. I, I, ha- I haven't gotten to see him much. Obviously, I saw him uh, for the twelve years that he was at Ohio State. You know, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been in a lot of game action since then. He spent the last year and a half or so with the Saints. I think he, Pete Carroll praised him for his high football IQ, which when you spend a year and a half with Drew Brees, I would imagine that that would be something you'd probably gain a lot of. And he was a, a high IQ quarterback at Ohio State as well. Uh, from a tools perspective, I think he does fit the offense a little bit better. I worry about arm strength a little bit. Um, but I know that one thing that Coach was really excited about with Geno and Paxton, and one of the reasons that they went with Brett Hundley last year is he really wanted a backup quarterback with experience. Uh, and obviously Barrett doesn't have that. And I think that that's where, unless he considerably outplays both of them, I don't think he gets the job just because of the experience thing. I think if they could try to push him onto the practice squad and keep him there, they would love that. But I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that for starters. And I think if, if not, I think they're going to go with one of the veteran guys just because they want somebody who has some NFL experience, whether that's the right decision, I, I don't know, but I think that that's what Pete really values that in his backup quarterback. So I think that's kind of where that line's going to, going to fall. Yeah. I, I think that's really well stated, Andy. I mean, that's because I, I do think that, that, uh, that this is an interesting quarterback that, that fits in very well with, with what the Seahawks like to do. Um, you know, I mean, he's his success uh, at Ohio State speaks for itself. Um, the fact that, that you know, we, we made the comment before about Geno Smith and his 31 career starts, but, you know, he, he's no longer a starter. What does that say? Well, some would say, well, you know, if, if he can't if you can't be the third string guy in New Orleans, how are you going to be the second string guy in Seattle? And I think that's a fair assessment as well until you start really thinking about the Saints quarterbacks. Obviously, you have the future Hall of Famer and in, in Drew Brees and their backup is Teddy Bridgewater, who is, in my opinion at least, is a terrific fit in Sean Payton's offense and has, has played pretty well when he's been given his opportunities. And then Taysom Hill, who is you know kind of that dual threat guy that the Saints have have created that that monster there for for themselves. So I think that. Uh, with, with Barrett here, we just saw a guy who kind of, you know, he, he ran out of time, ran out of numbers in, in, in New Orleans, and and so it is an opportunity here. Certainly, if the Seahawks, if if uh, if Geno Smith comes back from the the knee surgery, uh, you know, re- having the cyst removed, and uh, you know, and takes off and plays as expected, then great. But to have a guy who fits your offense, who was a three-year captain at Ohio State, played the, the just the magnitude and the quantity of games that he did for the Buckeyes I, to, to be be able to bring him in, I think, was a no-brainer for the move, move for the Seahawks, and apparently for for you and your photo uh, expertise as well. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, Jay, he's going to be fun, and I think he there's a lot of skill there. And I think even even if things don't pan out here, uh, to be able to to go to his next team and say, "Hey, I've spent time learning from Drew Brees and Russell Wilson," is is going to be huge for him. I really think that he has the potential to be an NFL quarterback. I don't know that he's ever going to be starting, but I'm not sure if it's going to be here at this time. But I, I do think that there, there's the skill there and the intelligence there for him to him to make some make some noise in the NFL at some point. 
certainly great to have on your resume that you've learned from Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. I just hope for his sake that he does not have to go through 23 transactions this year like he did last year. That is absurd to be bouncing off the practice squad on and off like that. But hopefully he can find somewhere, even if he's on the Seahawks practice squad, if the Seahawks can get him there, keep him there for the season, that would be great for him to continue learning from Wilson. And maybe next year he can be your backup in 2020. When we return, we're going to discuss and debate with Andy on a couple of Seattle's biggest remaining positional battles. Don't go away. We'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Locked on Seahawks podcast. This is David Harrison of the Locked on Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm Corbin Smith alongside NFL draft guru Rob Rang. We're thrilled to have Andy Patton of the Seahawks Wire and Locked on Mariners joining us for the show tonight. The new Locked on NFL is on fire. Last week, he was one of the most listened to NFL shows with the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked on NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL now with your favorite podcast provider. Now, Andy, we obviously still got three preseason games to go. We're a long way from getting the 53-man roster figured out. Pete Carroll's mentioned this on numerous occasions, but he's starting to give away a little bit of tidbits of information that may be valuable, figuring out how some of these positional battles are going to play out. We talked extensively about backup quarterback in the second quarter, so we're going to move on to the receiver position first and foremost. Obviously, there's eight or nine guys right now that are still heavily in the mix to win a position here. The real big issue here is, are they going to keep five receivers or are they going to keep six? Because traditionally, under Pete Carroll, they've only kept five receivers, but they've got so much young talent here, you got to wonder if that's going to change the season, especially with the league leaning more towards passing the football. Yeah, I think it really depends on on how many guys they think they can sneak onto their practice squad. You know, they have easily six guys that they could put on the active roster and still have guys to put on the practice squad. But I did a um, a fifty three man roster projection just a few like right after the pre, or right before the preseason game, and I was trying really hard to get six guys on there, and I just I could not find a way to make six work without cutting somebody that I didn't think they would cut. But then, and that was before Jazz Ferguson went off in the preseason game, and now it's it's even tougher. You know, I think obviously Tyler Lockett is locked into a job. They're not DK Metcalf is locked into a job. Jerron Brown at this point, I think he's locked into a job. I mean, they didn't play him on Thursday because they kind of consider him one of those veterans who didn't need to play. I think you don't do that to a guy you're going to cut in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Uh, David Moore. I would have said for sure is locked into a job. I still think he is, but if they're only going to keep five, it's questionable with him at this point. And I like David Moore. I think his combination of size and speed and, and what we saw out of him for, you know, about half the season last year, I don't think you cut that guy, but, you know, he's, he's going to have to show a little bit more at this point. And then obviously you have the other rookies. You have Gary Jennings, John Ursua, Ferguson, and then even beyond those guys, Keen Reynolds, Malik Turner, Amara Darbo. I mean, you have a lot of guys. Terry Wright has looked good. I mean, that's, Obviously, you can't keep 13 receivers or whatever. You're going to have to pare it down to... to Unless you're Cliff Kingsbury. Yes, exactly (laughs) right. Um, 
So it's it's going to be a tough one. I think uh, I think Gary Jennings had himself a nice day today at training camp. Uh, There's a lot of talk about how well he looked, which is good because he was somebody that, you know, after the draft, I wouldn't have thought there was a chance that he was not going to make the team. You know, fourth round pick, they invested pretty highly in him. He's a slot guy. They need they need a guy like that, but. He, he needs to show something here soon. Uh, you know, it's not his fault that Paxton Lynch bounced the ball to him last game. And, you know, and he hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities to show what he can do. He obviously had a hamstring thing earlier. But I think if Gary Jennings gets healthy and looks good, they might have to keep six because otherwise they're cutting either Ferguson or John or Sua. And I don't think – I mean, at this point, Ferguson's a guy who I don't think they can sneak him on their practice squad. He's going to – you know, he's, he's a lot like Casey Williams was a couple of years ago when Casey Williams had that monstrous preseason and ended up getting cut. And I know Casey Williams didn't go on to – I think he went to the Browns. Is that right? Lasted um, about five Browns minutes there. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. He, did, he didn't pan out to be anything great. But there's there's enough evidence to that I, w- I wouldn't want to let Jazz Ferguson go somewhere else at this point. I would not want to see him to have to play against him. You know, that would be hard. But I don't know. It's, it's going to be a really tough position battle. There's no doubt about it. Well, to me, that's one of the, the, the best things for Seattle is the fact that they don't have to make that decision. Yet there are three more games that they yeah. uh, are, are going to be able to kind of acquire this information and and be able to figure it all out. Because, yeah, I agree. Right now, Jess Ferguson is is the is the brightest star in the sky. You know, everybody's talking about him. He's he's replaced DK Metcalf. You know, he's he's probably getting, uh, you know, first in line anytime he wants to go out to dinner anywhere right now. You know, but at the same time. He's got to do it for the next couple of games. And and that's one of the things that I really like about this matchup with the Minnesota Vikings. This is a very physical team. Um, this is a team that is going to play a little bit more press. Um, and, and so I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the guy, how the, the Seattle's receivers are able to handle that. Obviously, you're expecting to see some Russell Wilson. So you're, you're going to see the opportunity to see how these receivers, if they do have that type of, uh, you know, uh, rapport with with Wilson, um, and, and I agree with you. Andy. I just have a hard time right now. Again, going off of what I believe I've seen to this point, I have a hard time not getting uh, either either Jazz Ferguson or John Ursua, uh on that roster. I, I I can make an argument for for either one, um, and I, I really think that that you are going to want a more of a, a classic slot receiver. And I've really been impressed with what I've seen from Ursua so far. Uh, but but Jazz Ferguson, I mean, if he is going to be the receiver who plays big, I want that to be I want that to be DK Metcalf. But it, you know, Pete Carroll talked about it. I mean, uh, you know, Jazz Ferguson was the was the receiver who played big. He talked about his body control, talked about his ability to snatch the ball, and we all saw it. I, that, that was the last question I wanted to make sure I talked to you about, Andy. Throughout this process, you, you've been to the practice so many more times. The best catch I've seen throughout training camp so far was one that Jazz Ferguson had right in front of a whole bunch of media members that very first day where he was a pass thrown behind him. It was thrown hot. He turned around. He extended, and he plucked the ball in one beautiful, smooth motion. What's been the best catch, the best play that, that you've seen uh, throughout this year's training camp? Well, for starters, I remember that catch. Um, <laughs> well, it's obviously one of the better ones then, yeah. yeah I, I won't pick it because that's you just uh, you kind of stole that one from me. But, Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, that, that was a very good one. Um, I do remember a Metcalf catch where he kind of had to do a similar thing. He beat, I think it was Simeon Thomas that he had, and he was running a, um, a post. So he was, he was coming down the field, and he, it, it was kind of similar to what happened in the game, except instead of overthrowing him, Gino underthrew him, and he had to come back and kind of snatch it down. I mean, it wasn't a good throw. He had to catch it down by his knee, and he was still 
so far ahead of Simeon Thomas that he was able to take a step back, reach out, catch the ball, and still turn and keep going up the field before Thomas got to him. So it wasn't – it was a good catch. I just remember it because it was startling how much he was beyond the the defensive backs in that play. You know, And, again, Simeon Thomas is not – Patrick Peterson, you know, he's, he's not uh, some of the guys that he's going to see out there. But that that one stands out to me. That was the first one that popped in my head just because it, it showed how much, you know, obviously for him to be able to have the control to stop on a dime, turn, reach back out, and catch the ball is pretty impressive. But also to be able to beat a receiver, uh, excuse me, a defensive back by that much is pretty telling as well. Yeah, I was at the practice where that particular catch you just referenced. And I was just amazed. This has been consistent for me. The few practices that I have been at, it's just been incredible to me how much separation DK Metcalf consistently gets regardless of who is across from him defensively. And maybe that's a really bad sign for the Seahawks defense, but I think it's more speaking to the athletic ability of DK Metcalf, just able to consistently do that. And hopefully now he's going to get some throws that he can haul in in some of these preseason games from Russell Wilson. We can start seeing that come into play in actual game action. Swing to the defensive side of the ball. Obviously receiver is the most competitive position group on offense. Defensively, I think the position that is still the furthest away from being decided is the slot cornerback position. You've still got four players in the mix there. Kalen Reed apparently is atop the depth chart this week, according to Pete Carroll. And I don't know how you interpreted this, Andy, but the way that he was wording Kalen Reed being atop the depth chart, it almost felt like he was kind of thinking, oops, I shouldn't have said that. But he ended up kind of continuing with it anyway. And so Kalen Reed's atop the depth chart, but you still got Akeem King, who got some snaps on the outside today with the ones. And then you've also got Jamar Taylor, who looked really good the other night. And, of course, Yigo Amadi, who is a Swiss Army knife and can play anywhere. Based on what you've seen in practice, what are your predictions of this position? And how long do you think it's going to take to decide to start? Or do you think this goes all the way up to the preseason finale against the Raiders? Or do you think that it's closer to being decided than maybe Carroll indicated in his presser? Well, Corbett, I'll tell you this. I wasn't going to hang up the phone until we talked about the nickel position because that's one of my favorite battles that's going on right now. I think I have written an article or talked about every single one of those guys, and I was dead convinced this guy's going to be the starter. You know, after Justin Coleman left, I was like, all right, it's Akeem King. It's his job to lose. He's got it under control. And then they brought in Jamar Taylor, and I – at first, I was kind of questionable, and then I saw him a few days ago. He looked really good, and I was like, well, he was really good in 2016, so if he can play like that, he's going to be the guy. And then it was Ugo Amadi, you know, in rookie minicamp. He was playing there a lot, and it seemed like Pete was really excited about him as a nickelback, and then now they've kind of played him a little bit. He's kind of shown a little bit more of that versatility, that Swiss Army knife like you were talking about. So then now it's Kalen Reed, and he's the guy. And, and I think you're right, Corbin. That's how I interpreted it is Pete was kind of overplayed his hand a little bit, and it's funny because a lot of times when he does that, he kind of steps back, and he kind of didn't. He just kept talking about Kalen Reed today. Um, He's just kind of like, well, you know what? It slipped, so I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> yeah, and it, it could have just slipped. It could be Pete challenging his other guys. He's been known to do that before. Um, I don't think it's decided by any means. I do think Kalen Reed is number one right now, uh, and I do think that Akeem King playing on the outside is, A, to challenge Shaq, which I think they – I mean – I was kind of surprised they didn't bring in more DBs to challenge Shaq this year because he didn't have that great of a year last year. And I know that they want him to be the guy, and I think he's capable of being the guy. We saw he played successful, you know, he played well in 2017, but I think Akeem King is out there partly to challenge Shaq, but also partly of like, well, he's a great special team guy. We don't want to cut him, but if he's not going to win our nickelback position, we need to know that he can kind of show us that versatility everywhere else. I think his, the way that he plays, he may fit better on the outside anyway. 
Um, and I, I'm curious if they think they have enough room to keep in a King Keem and a Nico Thorpe. So I think there's maybe a potential position battle happening for those two guys of like, which of these core special teams kind of versatile backup cornerbacks are we going to keep? And that, you know, it that to me signifies that maybe King's not that high in the running for the nickelback position right now. It, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, but that's kind of how I interpret it. I think Amadi has kind of solidified himself as he could do anything. He can play in the slot. He can play uh, free safety. He can. He's a great special teams guy. He might be returning punts. You know, that's a possibility for him. He looked pretty good doing that in the preseason game. So I think it feels like it's. Re- if I had to guess right now, what's going to happen? And thankfully, I don't. And thankfully, they have three more games to make <laughs> a decision. But if I did, I'm thinking that Reed wins the job. Amadi and King stay on the team as as kind of versatile backups, and they cut Taylor. But Tomorrow, I could go to practice tomorrow. Jamar Taylor could pick off Russell Wilson, and I would change my mind. It's really, I think it's that close right now. Well, and I think that was, again, a, another great breakdown. That's that's one of the reasons why we're having you on with us, Andy. Thank you so much. Sure. Uh, you know, it's, I I agree with you, although I, I will say this. I, I will disagree a little bit with uh, the interpreting of, of what Carol's saying. Now, look, I mean, we're all we're all trying to read the tea leaves here and, and parsing his words and all that kind of stuff. But I, as you guys were kind of discussing this, I looked up the exact quote um, about Kalen Reed and, um, and, and I'll, I'll at least read the one sentence. This is Kalen Reed has done a really nice job overall right now, pass coverage wise. And when I remember Kalen Reed, when it's other miss is the exact same thing, pass coverage, just in terms of his quickness, in terms of his instincts, in terms of his ball skills, Kalen Reed is a legitimate NFL player. He's not the most physical tackler. He's not the greatest in run support always. He's he is he's a reliable tackler. He's going to get the guy down. He's going to hang on like a terrier, but he's not going to knock guys down. And so this is one of the things that Corbin and I have talked about um, is that I almost wonder if Seattle is going to basically play matchup. So when they're going against those bigger slot receivers, then maybe that's when you can go with a, an Akeem King or a Nico Thorpe or Jamar Taylor, one of the big, a little bit bigger, more physical of the nickel corners. And when you're going against those smaller guys, those Wes Welker types, um, you know, that's where uh, uh, a Kalen Reed or Ugo Amadi, for that matter, might might fit in a little bit better. So to me, that that's one of the fascinating things about this. And and I just think it's interesting because we all are trying to figure out what Pete Carroll is saying. And I almost wonder if he, again, as he does sometimes, is he's very honest. And then he, as you guys said, kind of oversteps his bounds. I almost wonder if maybe he was doing a little bit of a dig, like I want you to be a little bit more physical in run support, be a true all-the-round corner, not just a pass coverage guy <laughs> pushing it but just, just trying to push to get more out of him i i can certainly see that uh we're running low on time here but andy i want to make sure that we get you a chance here to plug in your new show i've had a chance to listen you've had two episodes locked on mariners podcast obviously it's been a pretty tough season for the Mariners, but they've got a lot of young talent they've infused that farm system with. So I know you being a minor league guy, you're really excited about the opportunity to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think um, certainly, I mean, the Mariners are one and seven in August, you know, they'll, they'll probably be four and seven soon because they're playing the Detroit Tigers, which is about the only worst team than them in the American league. So that, that could be good Uh, for the next couple of days. We might see some wins, but for me, yeah, it's that you know their their double A roster is absolutely stacked. I meant to talk about that yesterday, but I, as as we're doing right now, I ran a little long. So I'm what I was talking about. So uh, I, I'm really excited about the minor league system for the Mariners. I'm really excited to get to get a chance to kind of 
coach up a lot of fans about, you know, what's coming down the line. I, I know that watching Keon Broxton and some of the guys on the major league roster isn't the most fun thing in the world right now, but there's some reinforcements coming and I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So for those that are wanting to listen to your show, what are some social media uh, outlets that you've got so that they can get updates and make sure they subscribe? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Andy Patton, S-E-A. Uh, that's where we're talking about it for the most part right now. Uh, they're working on getting me a my own social media accounts for Lockdown Mariners. So once we have that, I'll be sure to, to share that on my own Twitter account, uh, and that'll be out there for everybody to see. So, again, looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll make sure to share all that information as it becomes available. I know many of our listeners are Mariners fans, obviously not all, but it'll be a great opportunity for them to listen in and get some baseball insight from Andy. Anyway, Andy, we appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and share your insight on training camp and what's happened so far in the preseason. Really looking forward to see seeing how some of these positional battles end up playing out, and we'll see if you get any more crazy predictions that come true via photograph here in the next few weeks. I will do my best. Uh, I appreciate it, Corbin and Rob. Thanks, guys. And that's a wrap on today's show, folks. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. If you would like to be a featured sponsor for the Locked on Seahawks podcast, you can contact me, LockedSeahawks at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever your preferred podcast platform is. You can visit our website, www.LockedOnSeahawks.com. I'll be joining forces with Nick Lee on tomorrow's episode. We'll revisit what went down at Seahawks practice, drive our DeLorean back in time to look at a former Seahawks standout on Throwback Tuesday, and much more. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks! Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.